0: Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately, we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Here in the studio with Lisa Vandenberg. Lisa is a coach with Prosper in My Purpose. And she's also the host of the podcast, Adventures with Jesus Today. She is also a radical follower of Jesus. And that is why we've got her on the show. So Lisa, it is an honor to have you here today.
1: Matt, thank you so much for having me. I love having conversations with other radical believers in Jesus.
0: Yes, yes. So uh, we met through Heaven and Business several years ago and uh, just a, a wonderful organization that you were a part of for a while. And, you know, the thing that I love about you the most is, is you were just completely surrendered to whatever God wants you to do. So you have traveled all over the place, just following his lead. And ultimately, uh, whatever he says for you to do, you do it. And it's a... um uh, it's a refreshing thing to see, but I also know that it's it's gotta be a challenging thing to walk out. So tell us a little bit about, um, where'd you get that accent? And and how did you uh, get to the place that you're in now, which is currently Austin, Texas? So mm-hmm. uh, g- give us a little bit of background. So
1: the accent is my parents' fault. <laughs> 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 was born and grew up in South Africa. Uh, to a British father and a South African mom. So grew up sp- speaking both English and Afrikaans, which was just a beautiful basis. And um, then my husband and I le- got married in 95, left in 96, lived in England for 17 years, which gives a little bit more, <laughs> more of a British accent. And we've now been in the US for seven years. So my accent is very confused. It really has no idea where it's originally from or what it sounds like. Um, but Matt, you're right. Uh, it may look like I radically follow Jesus now, but it's been a journey as it is for all of us, right? It's this journey of uh, falling in love with him. And I I came from a place where it was, I, I just knew there was more to life. And uh, ever since I was young, I was like, there has to be more. I, I know that there's so much more of life out there, but I can't get there by myself. So I spent many, many years studying every self-help book, every religion, every philosophy that could help me find this elusive of more. And uh, we had just moved to England and my mother-in-law was staying with us and she had, she was, has been a Christian forever. And so there was this, there was a sign in the park across the road from us in this new house we'd moved into and it said God in the park. And I went, oh. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't, I don't like Christians. They, they're not allowed to make money. They're not allowed to be ambitious. They got to lean on God. They don't have any backbone. <laughs> so I had every excuse on the book of not wanting to go anywhere near Jesus. But my mom-in-law wanted to go and it was too far to walk and too close to drive. So I said, fine, I'll take you. <laughs> and walked her across and heard this really cool music. And I thought, can't be coming from the church. You know, I'd I'd been to a couple of classes, maybe at the local Sunday school as a kid, but wasn't brought up in a Christian atmosphere, even though the the prevailing atmosphere in South Africa at the time was Christian. Um, Walk into this huge tent that they've erected, a circus tent that they've erected in in the middle of the park. And just as God so beautifully does, I know now, the people that were speaking that night had been very, very famous on the British music scene. So they were ambitious and they'd made a lot of money and they'd reached a lot of people and they weren't afraid to tell the world about it. And I thought, huh, what if my perceptions about Christianity might have been wrong? And I literally, that night, I think it was a Tuesday, I gave my life to Jesus on the Tuesday. I was volunteering on the Thursday. I was in church on Sunday and that was 19 years ago. Wow. So that was the, that was how he finally, I let him finally find me <laughs> after pursuing me for all those years.
0: That's awesome, so from that standpoint you you fall in love right away and but then you've got to walk out that relationship and so as you start walking that out, you know what does that look like because you've you've just had a complete um i mean it's a paradigm shift paradigm shift you you had this perception, but now that perception's been flipped on its head. you know what does that look like moving forward?
1: well, as you can probably hear about the piece of the story I've already shared. I'm an ambitious person. I love to get things done. So I, I get into the church and I've been searching for this answer for 30 years and I finally found him and I get into the church and I'm going to, but nobody's actually taking hold of all that's available like I thought they would have, because they've known him for a long time and I've just found him. <laughs> so I remember going to my poor pastor at the time and with, the, with, 13 pages of questions, handwritten (laughs) and going, I have questions. And the poor man blanched (laughs) and uh, set me up with a beautiful mentor, a pastor from Nigeria. And she literally spent, eight. she sat with me for an hour every Thursday for 18 months, walking me through my questions. That's why I'm so addicted to walking with people through the real, real tough questions of life. So I went to my pastor, and, and we were—it it was a quite unique situation. He had been to seminary, but he also had his MBA. So he had this love of business and the structure of business. So God loves me there too, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I went to him and I said, about six months in, and I said, "You're not—you're not equipping the new believers properly. You, they don't have people to go and ask their questions of." And so he looked at me and he said, "Fine, do something about it." <laughs> and I said, "All right, I will." He was so—he was so empowering. He, you know. And uh, so literally with this mentor of mine, I went and studied five or six different uh, New Believers programs. We collated our own that that suited our congregation. And I was teaching New Believers and having these real conversations from about 12 months into the journey. And so that's that's literally been the, the hallmarks of my journey is just wanting to find out more. If the truth sets you free, what does that look like? I remember saying to God right from the beginning, But how do we take what we hear on a Sunday and actually apply it when the poop hits the fan on a Monday? Right. When your kids aren't listening, when you don't have money to pay the rent, when you have creditors that are knocking on the door, when, you know, the real stuff of life. How do we take what we hear on a Sunday and actually live it on Monday? And that's been a 19-year journey.
0: Wow. Well, oh, and I think that that is, you know, what you have just discussed. Number one, that, that people, they hear the good news, but they don't live it. Uh, but then also that, you know, sometimes it's people have the, the spiritual concept, but they don't have the practical application of how to apply the spiritual elements. And and I think that those are things that, that are lacking, um, you know, You just look at what's going on in america right now there are so many people that that have the book of the bible and they can read what god says about everything that's going on and then they still have no concept of of what am i supposed to do in this situation well you know jesus ultimately he gave us commands He, he said you know love god love people okay so that means everybody and then ultimately he said to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy. Leprosy was a lot worse than COVID-19. So, you know, if he wanted us to heal those people, pray for those people. He does the healing. All we do is pray. Yeah. But, you know, there's so many people walking around and they're they're living in fear and they're, they're not doing the things that they're supposed to. I mean, just putting one step in front of another. And then when you encounter somebody, share him. You know, and, and bring him into the conversations and and into different situations, and um, you know, but I, I do think that there is, there's just this desperate need for people to realize, like, what God says, and then do it. And so you've been trying to walk alongside these people, and maybe shake them a little bit, and uh, you know, and love them a little bit, uh, but but ultimately, like make them aware and i'm guessing that most of the people that come to you they're already kind of hungry so they've already got an awareness that they need to be doing something different but there are a lot of people that are walking around that don't even realize that they could be doing something different because they've gotten a watered down version of christianity you know in their their church on sunday you know that they don't even realize like jesus has given us authority over sickness and disease you know jesus is the the creator of everything so if, if we want our life to be better. Maybe we seek Him for that instead of just trying to strive. Um, so, so from that standpoint, you started this journey 19 years ago, and you know where all has that led you, and what does that look like now?
1: But I think there's so much truth in what you say, um, but it's I, I have very real conversations with God. I love to just you know he's not intimidated by anything we say he's not shocked by anything we say he knows it all anyway right it's it's us that think he doesn't know it so I have these real honest conversations with God and really the the turning point for for me was going from trying to live out the principles in the bible to having a relationship with him and for for the longest time I just didn't know how loved I was so that that was really the the transformation for me and it became um this place one of the biggest switches in my life was this christianity is full of a lot of have-tos you know you have to stop smoking you have to stop taking drugs you have to read your bible then you have to pray for six hours a day and you have to there's a lot of have-tos right and um, for for my type of personality that meant striving it was super striving then i was absolutely in the morning and i was putting scriptures in my shoes because I was standing on the word. and Or, you know, just it became very intense. And then for other types of personalities, it just becomes overwhelming. It's like, it's too hard. God, do you see my life? And then i got to try and do this as well. And so the biggest shift came for me when you said to me one day, you see, what I'm inviting you into is that it doesn't, life doesn't look have to look like a have to. It can look like a get to. I get to read my Bible. <laughs> I get to speak to the Holy Spirit every day. I get to have Jesus as my best friend. I get to heal the sick with him. I get to pray with him, not to him, not for him, not to get a result. But I get to talk to him. And that that really is the fundamental shift of everything. Let's have to, to get to. Because when it's a get to, we want to do it. Right, doesn't matter if from teenager through to 80 years old, if it's something we get to do, then suddenly, suddenly you begin to see things through the goodness of God. My husband loves the word. he's a deeply wise man, and he, he loves the word. But you sit down and you hear a story from him, and he'll tell you stories from the Bible through the lens of the love of God and the goodness of God, right? And so that has been the shift for for me and for us is coming from this place of love. Because then, Matt, when it doesn't become a, oh, I feel bad because I went out to the store today and I didn't pray for the clerk. It gets to be like, oh, Lord. And so this is hence Adventures of Jesus today, right? Um, Going on this adventure, Lord, I'm going to the store today. What are we going to get up to? Who's gonna be there? What do we get to say? Do we get to smile at somebody? Do we get to, you know, it, it, it loses all the intensity of somebody has to get out of a wheelchair every day on my watch? <laughs> you right. know? It, it it's a wow, Lord, if that's what we get to do today, then sweet. Heaven's gonna do something to to help me to do that, right? And because it takes the pressure off and it gets to it gets to be this. I I, I tell people, wake up each morning and Wake up and say, Lord, what do we get to do today? So, but I'm, I'm ever practical, right? So I said to him, but Lord, what about the days when the baby's been crying the whole night and you've had like half an hour's sleep and you want to kick the dog when you get up, right? The practical situations of life. And I said, Lord, that's not an adventure. Well, no, adventure's fun. <laughs> you yeah, have a lot of time. And he said, No, 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 Lisa, it's not the circumstances of life that are the adventure. It's that you do them with me. Hmm. Oh, and having that invitation that I, I have had cancer and walked through all the treatment. You wouldn't call that an adventure, but I learned so much just letting him walk through it with me. Through the hard, through the good, through the diagnosis, through the treatment, through the everything, right? Etc. Uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. All the normal circumstances of our lives, the adventures that we get to do with him. So he said, you know what, Lisa, if you wake up in the morning and you've got you've just got 10% to give me. Like God, I'm really stirring up my faith and I've got, I've got 10% to give you today. He said, you know what? I'll come and fill up the other 90 and together we'll go out in 100. And on days when you wake up and you're all fired up and you've got your quiet time done and life is good and you've got 80, he says, you know what? I'll come top up the 20 and together we'll go out in 100. And that is life with God, not for God.
0: Wow, that is really good stuff. And, you know, I think that, first of all, you're you're talking about a, a partnership with the creator of everything. Like we get to partner with God who is like, he's the almighty. He's the alpha and omega. He's the beginning and the end. Yet he still wants to partner with us and And we get to rest in his presence on a daily basis and and go on these adventures. But you know sometimes the adventures, they're not necessarily fun, but the things that we learn on those adventures. I mean, battling cancer could not have been fun. But the things that you learn through that process, you know, I, I don't know about you, but but for me, the most difficult situations that I've walked through, as painful and difficult as they were, I wouldn't change any of them because I wouldn't have the relationship with him that I've got now had I not experienced those things. And and it's walking through the trials we're supposed to consider them pure joy when you're in them. Very difficult to do, but at the same time, if we ask God, you know, what are you trying to teach us instead of why is this happening? I think that that's so often shifting that perspective. You know, we really get to fully embrace that. I'm walking through the fire, but he's in the fire with me and I'm walking through the trial, but he's, he's got his arms around me and he's walking through it alongside me. And, and I think that we've, we've gotten to this place of, you know, we get into a bad situation. We immediately want God to, you know, snatch us out of Mm -hmm. that situation instead of like, maybe I'm learning something along this pathway and, and God, what, what are you trying to Show me in this time. I mean, so walk us through that the cancer, the, the battle with cancer. I mean, what was that like? How long did it last? And what did you learn from that?
1: So I had, I was going for a routine check, just thought it was routine. And uh, what I thought might be something to note wasn't, but the doctor actually found something else. And uh so just totally miraculous, right there. The God had a look at it. So they they went away, they did a biopsy, and I remember coming back in and looking at the doctor, who is very much a uh, he'd tell you the facts, and then he sent you to the nurse to mop up the tears. <laughs> so I'm sitting in front of this guy, and he says to me, uh, just wanted to let you know the test is positive. Go and see the nurse." so i looked at him and the first thing that came out of now you've got a couple of days to contemplate and worry yourself stupid right so then um, he looks at me and he says that and i looked at him and something out of my gut so not my head something out of my gut i I said the words i looked at him and i said it's okay jesus is with me my gut because my head wasn't saying that right so i was just fascinated and then so I went next door to the nurse. she explained, etc. I had the lump removed a couple of days later. My husband worked for a big company um, and was away from home Monday to Friday at that time. so he we saw each other just on weekends for 13 years of our marriage. and um, they wouldn't allow him to come home to be with me during my treatment. So it was me, my dad and our teenage daughter at home with my husband away. So go for the operation. He managed to be there for that. And then uh, it hadn't spread. So I needed to go for a course of radiotherapy. And at the time, things were just super tough. We had one car. My husband used to use it to go away to work. So I was working from home at the time, and I I made my appointment for 3 o'clock every day. And radiotherapy, you go for five minutes of treatment Monday to Friday for a consecutive six weeks. And so I had no way to – money was pretty tight at the time. I had no way to get to the appointment at the hospital bar walking. So it was a 45-minute walk to the hospital and, a, and treatment, waiting, treatment, and then a 45-minute walk back for six weeks. And the more treatment you have, the progressively weaker you get. So I'm sitting there the one day and somebody gave me one of those little old iPods, you know, for many years ago. This was in 2011 they gave it to me and I downloaded some free podcasts like this one and uh, I remember setting out on the journey the first day and saying to the Lord really really Lord cancer I've got to walk to the appointment my husband can't be here I mean like really and I just heard the Holy Spirit say you have an hour and a half uninterrupted time every day are you going to spend it complaining or are you going to spend it with me Hmm. Huh? That's conviction. And I sat there and I went, oh, Lord, that's what you see. I see the really pieces of that you see. Okay, if this is if this is happening, because I didn't I didn't have faith to be healed, Matt. I didn't at the time. It was cancer was a big word for me. And my my faith was more in that the doctor could heal me than that God could. But, you know, he's not daunted by that. He's not daunted by our unbelief. Even the disciples said, please, Lord, help us with our unbelief. He's not daunted by that. He's not, like, really, you don't believe me? Fine, walk, walk by yourself. You know, um, he just takes us where we're at. And I love that about him. He takes us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us where we're at. So he was challenging me and go, okay, what does it look like? And, Matt, there were things I'd learned, like and there was a couple there. She was having radiotherapy and chemotherapy. They were in their 60s. So, the one day I'm standing in front of the elevator, and uh, the, it's just this gentleman, the husband, and I are standing there. The doors open, and I'm praying like crazy. I'm like, Jesus, give me something to say to him, something to encouraging, something to help him, whatever, whatever. We get in the elevator, and as soon as the doors close, this man turns and he looks at me and he starts yelling, It's not fair. We had plans. We had plans for retirement. We were going to travel. We were going to do this. It's not fair. It's not fair. And he screamed, until we stopped and the doors opened. And I didn't have a word to say. And I was so mad at God. I was like, why didn't you give me something? But the man is obviously in pain. You didn't give me anything. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he needed a safe place to vent all he was feeling. Because he cannot say that to his wife. He cannot say it to his family. He has no support group around him. He just needed to vent. That's why I didn't give anything to say. You know God's wisdom, so so much higher than ours, so much better than ours. Um, there was a young girl there. She was at, uh, maybe eight or nine, and she, stood, she was there with her mom each day. She was going through the cancer treatment. So I'm sitting there the one day, and you've got in a little alley, and you, you have to disrobe and put the gown on that you're going to use. So I'm sitting there waiting for my turn. The little girl had gone before me. And as she walks past me, Matt, as she walks past, I start sobbing, sobbing. So I'm going, oh, God, I'm going into my treatment now. I can't be sobbing. You're not supposed to move. <laughs> you're anchored to the table. You're not supposed to move. And I go in, and, and the tears are just sweeping down my face as I'm lying on the table. So after, we, after the treatment, the, the nurse comes to me. She says, you're always the positive one. What's going on? Why are you weeping? And I, all I could say in between the sobs was the little girl. Matt, every technician starts crying. Every technician in the room started crying. And we all just sat there. We just wept for five minutes. I go out. I get back to the cubicle, and the sobbing stops immediately. I said, Lord, what on earth is that? He said, they needed permission to grieve because they see that little girl, and they have to put a smile on their face. And their hearts are breaking for her. And I sent you in there to give them permission to grieve. You know, just he's fascinating. If we'll just say yes, if we'll just say yes, he does astounding things. And you know, there I was, not in faith, exhausted, mad, (laughs) but just the yes. And God does, I mean, that's during that period of time, it was about uh, eight weeks long, all in all. I learned how to hear him, I learned how to pray for a room of people without ever opening my mouth. I learned how to shut up when he told me to shut up, and I learned how to speak when he told me to speak. It was one of the most difficult and beautiful times of my life.
0: And so I think the critical takeaway there is your intimate relationship with Jesus. You already had a relationship with him, but it got a lot more intimate. It was birthed in extreme adversity, extreme difficulty, extreme, uh, challenge, but you had a choice. You could choose to turn towards him or turn away from him. And and on that walk 45 minutes each way, you know, like you said, you can either complain or you can spend time with me and you chose to spend time with him. And I, I think that too often, I mean, every single person is going to experience some form of, of tragedy. They're gonna experience some form of heartbreak. They're gonna experience some form of you know, disappointment. I mean, there are a lot of people in this country right now that are extremely devastated by what is going on right now in America, mm-hmm. heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And we've all got that choice. You know, We can either look at all the circumstances, and, you know, have a pity party. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that the circumstances are real, mm-hmm. but we can either focus on him and, and see what he's doing and ask him what he's trying to show us mm-hmm. in the situation, or we can stay rooted in the difficulty and in the pain. And that just prolongs that situation. So, you know, out of that season, you now have this unwavering Like, I know that I know that I know that God is with me no matter what, that unshakable belief that some people may never experience because they never make that choice to walk with him. I mean, not everybody's going to have the exact set of circumstances that you had, but in those circumstances, you chose to submit and surrender fully to him and yeah, you know, I don't know what that's like. I've had my own season of trials, mm-hmm. and and I had to surrender in that season as well. And uh, you know, again, I, I wouldn't be the person that I am today had I not done that. But um, so from that standpoint, that was ten years ago, and you know, so it lasted. You said about eight weeks, mm-hmm. and then you you were cancer free after that. Mm-hmm. Yep, praise God. Thank you. And so, you know, from that standpoint, uh, what did you do then?
1: Um, Matt, what that taught me, uh, I, I was I was on the leadership uh, of our church at the time and, you know, still trying to be Susie Super Christian, <laughs> through it all. And it was very much the persona that I gave out. And I remember uh, transitioning between worship and um, the preaching one day. So I'm up on the stage and auditorium lights are down and the, the you know the sort of stage lights are on me and we always transitioned with a testimony so I'm I'm there and I'm giving the testimony of uh, something else that had happened during this cancer journey and I remember at the time that I was so weak that I couldn't help myself but cry with the goodness of God right so I'm standing there and I'm weeping and I was I never cried in public I was tough I was like no you know And um, so there I'm standing on the stage with these spotlights on me, with the tears running down my face at the goodness of God and what he'd been doing on this journey. And, you know, Matt, people came up to me when I got off the stage. People came up to me and they said, oh, thank God you're real. It was too hard to be like you because you know scripture and you know the verse and you pray and you're there, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, it's just so refreshing to know that you're real and you go through stuff too but that you, you get to go through it with Jesus, right? And it it was such a pivot in my life, man, to go from, oh, this is the deal. This is authentic. This is real, right? Being able to say, I'm really struggling today. This is what the body of Christ gets to do, right? We get to go to God first and go, Lord, I'm really struggling today. Remember those honest conversations. Um, and get to go to the body of Christ and be a safe place for each other and build each other up and walk with each other, and you know? And so... From that day onward, it was it started this journey of it. Lord, how, how do we be authentic and and real and show the real of who we are, but always pointed back to You, you know? Because there's there's a big difference between showing the real and staying in the hole, and showing the real and reaching out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so that that was sort of the the next phase of the journey. And so I just determined that I would I would share life, and all. Good, bad, and ugly. And if you ever watched any of my videos or listened to my podcast, it's everything. It's good, bad, and ugly, right? Um, but it's it's all, it all points back to Jesus that not in your own strength, He's the one that helps us. Not in our own, don't rely on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He'll lead your path. You know, just over and over and over in the Word goes, I want to partner with you. You don't have to do life by yourself. You don't have to be Steve or Susie, super Christian. Let let it be me. Let your weakness. He's very clear. He says, in your weakness, my strength is perfected." And Paul says, therefore, I glory all the more in my weaknesses. I mean, how counter today's culture is that, right? Let me tell you my weaknesses so that you can see how Jesus is shining through me. Right. Um, but it became this place of, of giving myself permission and giving people permission to go, Lord, you know, you, you mentioned what's going on in the country at the moment. Just like everyone else, I'm affected as well. But I sat there and the people that I speak to, I say, you know what? Sit with the Lord and go, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, my heart's hurt. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I, what, whatever it is you're feeling, this, this whole, like, squash it down. I'm told I have to forgive somebody, so I'm just going to do it. Well, God likes to talk to you about it. He's okay with you going, Lord, I don't. This really hurts me. I'm scared for my children's future. I'm, whatever whatever is going on with you, go and talk to him. And then, because he loves you, because you get this understanding that you get to do life with him, that his plans really are for good to prosper you and not to harm you, then those scriptures get to come alive in relationship. Then you're not making yourself do something because the word says to do it. You're doing it voluntarily because the word is love. Because he says, I know, precious one, I know you don't understand at the moment, but can you trust that I can see bigger picture than you can? Can you trust that I love America, insert your country, your region, way more than you do? So this, that made this, from this journey, two questions emerged. Uh, I was I was uh, sitting one day and my husband and my daughter were having an argument and they, they adore each other. So for them to have an argument was, I was like, What's Going on. So I rush upstairs because I hear them shouting at each other. I rush upstairs and I'm gonna go right. I'm gonna go break it apart and I'm gonna bring peace. <laughs> and I get to the door, and the Holy Spirit says to me, stop. Go into the room next door. I went, okay. So I said, not what's going on? I don't understand what's going on. He says, Well, this and this and he told me what was happening. I said, So what am I supposed to do about it? And he said to me, just pray about it. Tell them tell them in prayer to calm down. Because if I got into the room, I would have got in the middle of the fight, right? It wouldn't have been a <laughs> good thing. Matt. Within thirty seconds, everything calms down in this peace. Right. So Holy Spirit says, "Okay, now, now you can go in." So I stick my head around the door and I'm looking at them, and He says, "Okay, let's tell them to hug each other." I said, "Okay." And now that the spiritual atmosphere had been dealt with, now they can hug each other. They hugged each other. Whole situation was over in two minutes. Right. But from there, I learned to say to Him, Lord, what's really two questions? What's really going on here? I can see what's happening in front of me. I can see the results of the election. I can see what's happening with my kid at school. I can see what's happening with my job. I can see here. But will you show me what heaven sees? Will you show me what your viewpoint sees, right? Because according to Ephesians 6, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but in spiritual realms. So then he says, okay, now what do I get to do about it? So I come to him with those questions, Matt, and I, and I encourage people to do it and they go, Lord, I don't understand. I'm scared at the moment. I'm worried. I'm concerned. Can you let me know what's really going on in my life and what I get to do about it? And for some people, that means studying like crazy and finding out all the facts so that they are assured by the facts. For some people, it's shutting off the news and leaving social media platforms so that they can be. Well, you know, each one of us. But that's why it's not one fix for all. The only one fix for all is go and speak to Jesus, (laughs) right? And then, Matt, we get to respect each other and we get to go, sweet, if you have gone to Jesus and that works for you, do it. If that's how he's leading you, just don't stick your head in the sand. You know, go to Jesus. Be real with him. Ask him what you're called because his, his view of success is way different to ours. So we may think it looks like this. This has to happen, God. And if it hasn't happened, then I either don't have faith or my praise won't answer it. And he's, he's going, no, 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 no. My ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. And my intentions for you are good. So can you trust me, not the circumstances?
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. I, I think that um, life absent of Jesus right now, I mean, I would think it would be virtually impossible. I mean with with all of the craziness and chaos that's going on, I mean I could not imagine being the person that I used to be mm-hmm. thinking that I had everything under control and you know so I would just second what you just said going to Jesus in the midst of the chaos and and he is a big big God. So If we're angry, if we're frustrated, if we're scared, if we are concerned, whatever the situation is, tell him, Mm -hmm. vent to him, just like that the man did on the elevator with you, you know, we need to vent to our daddy, come to him and share First of all, he already knows what's going on with us anyway. So, you know, but just letting him know, being real with him, like you were on that stage. I mean, I think that that. People think that they can fool God. And and the reality is, you know, some people can fool other people and and they can do it for a certain period of time, but you can never fool Him. So He knows exactly what's in our heart. He knows exactly what's in our mind. He knows exactly what we're looking at on a daily basis. He knows exactly what we're consuming and and where we are at any given point. And so I, I do think that it is so important, you know, to know that there is a loving, Father who wants to spend time with every single one of us, that that he sees what's going on. Mm -hmm. He's not surprised by a single thing, Mm -hmm. but he just wants to have conversation with us. Mm -hmm. He wants to have a relationship with us and he wants to spend time because he doesn't want us fearful. He doesn't want us uh in a bad situation, but he he wants our attention Mm -hmm. and he will do things to get our attention to you know get us to spend time with him and Um, So I definitely think that, you know, if we know him, now is the time to spend more time with him. If we don't know him, now is the time to get to know him because things aren't getting better. They're getting worse on this earth. But for you and I and other people who call him Lord and Savior, you know, this place is not our home. You know, the, the things that are taking place on this earth have been prophesied for a long time that there will be chaos and there will be destruction. And, and from that standpoint, heaven is ultimately our home. Now, while we're here, we're going to try and make as much of an eternal impact as possible you know, to help other people get there and to reflect Him in everything that we do. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that uh, great advice that you've given thus far. So how can people learn more about you and what you're doing now?
1: Man, so that whole journey has has led to actually um, asking God, what impact do we each get to make, right? We've each got this different personalities. We're called to different arenas and that. And actually a, a mutual friend of ours asked me a question one day and he said, uh, he said, do you think that Jesus fulfilled his potential on the earth? And I said, no, what, that is a conundrum right there. Right? Potential is a big word for us. It's the, you know those they're proactive and we want to get something out of life. And we sat and talked about it, and actually Jesus didn't fulfil his potential; he fulfilled his purpose. He was sent for a purpose. As many miracles as he did, as many, you know, he could have stayed longer. He could have started earlier. He could have had more disciples. He could have whatever. But he didn't. He fulfilled his purpose. He said what he heard his father say, and he did what he saw his father do. And he wasn't concerned about whether you thought he was great because he had a million followers or not. Right? He was here to fulfill his purpose. I became fascinated with, wow, Lord, we're so fixated on fulfilling our potential. But we're actually here to fulfill a purpose. Right? I remember being nominated for an award and there were uh, 60 of us nominated for the award and I didn't win. And I was so mad. I said, God, why didn't I win? I'm a competitive person. Why didn't I win? And he said, you weren't supposed to. And I went, excuse me? (laughs) Isn't that that the nature of competition that you're supposed to win? something?" And he went, "Mm -hmm." you were supposed to be nominated, but you weren't supposed to win. And so he began to unpack for me what, what just the nomination would do in my life according to his purpose, right? Um, so it's just so this purpose has so fascinated me. And so I've spent the last couple of years, and, and this is what I currently do now, I'm a, I'm a purpose coach who helps Christians to discover their purpose and then step into it. Matt, because so many of us will go, oh, I'll I'll take a personality test um, and this is what I'm like, or I'm really good at this thing, so I'll I'll do that. And we sort of bumble and stumble our our way through life and try to do the best we can and hope we're pleasing God along the way. But what he's showing me is there's actually three components to it that are just so much bigger than that. And the first is what we've been talking about is knowing how loved you are. When you know, like you said, Matt, when you know that the God of the universe is on your side, that he specifically created you for a purpose. Matt, he had you born where you were to be born, to the parents you were to be born, in the circumstances, everything in your life, right, crafted and created for you, Matt, to have the impact that only you can have on the earth. When you know that the God of the universe is with you and loves you and is your cheerleader every day, it gives you a shot of faith and strength and power like nothing else can, right? So then when you take that and then you begin to ask him, Lord, how am I specifically created? I remember um, praying in a business one day and there was a foreign student next to me. So he was struggling with English. And I know that I have the gift of clarity. I make uh, difficult things easy to understand. And I knew he had something to say to this business owner, but he just couldn't form it in English. So I said, Lord, I have clarity. Can I lend it to my friend? And he said, of course, that's what the body of Christ gets to do. We get to help each other. So I, I imagine lending this to my friend, Matt, the word came out of this guy's mouth in perfect English. Oh, I bowled, he bowled, the business owner was crying. Just because, you know, it, this partnering enables what God wanted to be, done to, do, to be done. And so I just became fascinated with actually finding out, okay, Lord, what did you put in Matt that's different to what you put in Lisa? What's common? Right? If Matt's supposed to be the hand, then what are the things that you put in a hand that don't, that aren't in an elbow, if Lisa's supposed to be the elbow, right? Matt, comparison goes out of the window. Because if you know you're not supposed to be a hand, then you can be the elbow you were created to be, right? And you can fit in your place. So it's unpacking who you are. And then the third part of it is then how we live it on purpose, because we bumble along and we try, try to do our best. Every day we're, we're putting in effort, but it's all fueled by this potential. And the Lord said to me, actually, you can't, it's not that you can fulfill your potential. It's that you use your potential to fulfill your purpose. So what does using your potential each day look like? What does it look like to really partner with the power of heaven? What does it look like to really go, you know what? I have the gift of peace. So therefore, when I go into my work today, Peace will be the atmosphere because I am there. Living it on purpose, right? The, the title of your podcast, <laughs> Living Life on Purpose, right? Actually actively doing this. So that's, that's what I do now. So um, I have a masterclass that I put together that's available at prosperinmypurpose.com. And I just lead people through these three aspects of live like Jesus, matter like Jesus, and impact like Jesus. Cause this is what he called us to do. Right?
0: That's so. awesome. And so where can they go to to find out about the masterclass?
1: It's at prosperinmypurpose.com.
0: Okay. In- All right, perfect. And then the podcast, where can they listen to that?
1: So any of the podcast platforms and it's Adventures with Jesus today.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I know that uh, again Everything that you just encapsulated is—I mean, I, I love talking about purpose—and—and and when I realized that God had a plan and a purpose for me, mm-hmm. you know, I was so excited to walk that out. And so, the—the the goal of this whole show is to sit down with people who, you know, they've—they've they've had success, but they also live with purpose on a daily basis. So you are absolutely one hundred percent, you know, covering. What we like to showcase. you know, so it it is, I think, extremely important for people to realize that every single person has that purpose, and every single person has that potential to tap into in order to walk that out. and And so many people are not. So I would just encourage you, if you're one of those people, hey, I like what they're talking about, and and I know that there's something inside of me that I have not tapped into. Reach out to Lisa; she can help you. And you know, as you can tell, she just loves the Lord and she loves to serve from the standpoint of, of helping people accomplish these things. So, um, and listen
1: would- to all of Matt's podcast episodes too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with those, you'll get to hear other people that are already doing it, so that will give you encouragement. From the standpoint of, of just hearing testimony and testimony of other people, that builds faith because it just means that if God did it once, he can do it again. But but I want you all to tap into your own purpose mm-hmm. and utilize the full potential that God's given you. So uh, she's a great resource for that. And, you know, if you enjoyed this podcast today, then follow us on Facebook at Living Life on Purpose or on Instagram a living life on purpose always. But we hope that you enjoyed the show. It's been an honor to have you here today, Lisa, and we will look forward to having everybody back again in a few weeks. So thanks so much and everybody have a great day.